With the world becoming increasingly unpredictable when it comes to your family's health, proactivity is key. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit contains eight essential medications like ivermectin, amoxicillin, and z Rest easy knowing that their chief medical team, including Dr. Peter McCullough, stand behind every kit. Visit twc.health slash Prager. Use the promo code Prager for an exclusive 10% discount. Don't take chances. Secure your family's health today with The Wellness Company. Dennis and Julie time. I'm Dennis, as in Prager. That's Julie, as in Hartman. Shalom. There we go again. Julie is you're in love with the word shalom. It's so fun. It's really fun to say, yes. Well, you know, as it happens, shalom means peace. That's what the word means. Yes. Which is its own etymology, which is, I, you and I love etymology. It, 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 oh, yeah. It's, it's really Mario fascinating. Mario Pai, The or- Story of Language, best book ever. Uh, I love that I write I did a whole show on it. I know. I love that you love it. And that is the, st- the study of language. Interestingly, just for those, anyone should be interested in this. Sh- shalom comes from the Hebrew word or is related directly to the Hebrew word shalem. It sounds, sounds very similar. It's the same consonants. Hebrew words work by consonant, not by vowel. Vowels are added on as dots and and, and little lines. Anyway, uh, shalem means complete. So it's it, 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 it's it's fascinating. Peace and completeness are, are sort of related. And what else did I want to say about that? Oh, yes. So shalom means peace. It also is hello and goodbye. I know. That's why I say it at the beginning and I say it at the end. You know, I love saying it to random people, like the guy who's checking me out at the grocery you store. You do this? Oh, of course, just to see their reaction. By the way, when I was in Israel, we went to Carmel Market in Tel Aviv, which is this huge, huge bazaar in, in the center of the city. And it was it was. Friday. And so I, I was walking by everyone and I go, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. And, and like to everyone. And they just looked at me like this Gentile American saying it. It was so it was fun to see their reactions. But anyway, yeah, in Los Angeles, California, I'll go up to Pete or I'll just say Shalom randomly. And so one night before Shabbat, uh, I was going to the local Whole Foods to get some green beans because our Shabbat crew asked me to bring a, a side of vegetables. And so I was checking out and there was this guy. I remember his name is Tanner. He had a, a sticker named Tanner and he looked like a surfer bro. Typical L.A. guy working at a Whole Foods. And I said to him, Shabbat Shalom. And you know what he said to me? What? He paused for a moment and then he looked He kind of like darted his eyes and he looked really nervous and he goes see <laughs> which is yes in spanish why did he do that i think he thought i was speaking spanish oh god isn't that precious shabbat shalom he goes see well i, I, I was waiting estás? for a different punchline what tanner said oh shabbat shalom no <laughs> he looked at me like i was a oompa loompa so you say shabbat shalom to random totally people? On the, literally, not even so, just as a all right, all right, Hello, I got a question. Oh, Shalom, At you have a question. At what age did you know you were a character? 
Oh, oh my gosh. I, I'm, I am a dull character now compared to who I was when I was like three, four, five. From, so you, so you from the time what? that I was conscious of my existence, I was a character. You know what's interesting? I, when I was really young, I didn't have behavioral problems, but I was kind of a, cl- a clown in class. Well, of course I believe that. Really? Well, if you're a character, you have to act it out. Well, I got so serious by the time I got to, like, fifth grade that I turned into the class clown, into the class nerd. But I remember in in second grade, my teacher having to call my parents and and talk with me about my my theatricality and interrupting the, the, the lesson. So... You were in second grade 16 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wait. That's a long time ago. That seems like a long time ago. That is so funny. It is. I'm old. No offense. (laughs) No offense to you. (laughs) Why the hell would I be offended? You know, know, by the way, that, I'm not going to get into it in detail, but it is not a good sign in a society that equates old as negative. Mm. It's really true. And it's new. Old in almost every traditional society was venerated. Right. So when when do you think that changed? I, 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 I don't know. It's a great question. I like so much other pathology. The 60s seems to be a culprit. Don't, never trust anyone over 30. My parents' generation would never have thought that idea, let alone said it. Never trust anyone over 30. Their grandparents were venerated. Right. I, I want you to remember what you were, you were saying that I was in second grade 16 years ago. Whatever you were going to say, put a pin no, in No, no, no. That was it. Well, it, it feels so long ago. It's really amazing to me how time flies. But I think you're right that this has happened in the 60s. And obviously, as you kind of implied, like we can't blame everything on the 60s. But... That does seem to be when it emerged. You know, the death of conservatism and religion and the lack of veneration of old people, they all kind of go hand in hand. Yep. Like they're all kind of first mm-hmm. cousins of one another because think about what conservatism is. It's conserving the best, the best principles, ideas, values, art, architecture, music. And as there's been an attack on conservatism, we also kind of attack or don't appreciate people like old people who are in it of themselves, even if they're not politically conservative, they're embodiments almost of conservatism in that they teach us about the past and they have wisdom to pass on to us. As we reject that as a whole on society, it makes sense that we reject it on a micro level too. Oh, uh, look, obviously I think they're related. That's why I mentioned the 60s. Right. When I think about it though, I'm trying to think how I regarded my grandparents. And I have no sense of thinking, oh, they're old. They're, they're, they're not winners or, or whatever it is that people would associate with the word old. It, it, and I'm not, I, I said this when I was 30. I mean, I'm not saying this because I'm old now. But it's so funny. I I don't even. It doesn't bother me to say I'm old. So so therefore what? Mm -hmm. Am I less vibrant? Am I less bright? Am I less anything? Aren't I? Aren't I? At least 
I'm blessed, but aren't I more of everything I was? I'm not less in any way. Mm. I just walk slower. That's literally the only arena that I could tell that I have aged, and that doesn't really bother me. The reason I said no offense, it's it's I'm contemplating why. It's because it's almost a joke now in society when someone who's young says something about, oh, I'm I'm getting old or I'm turning this age next month and then someone older will go oh well thanks a lot you know think about how i feel there's this weird kind of do you agree that it's yes it's kind no, of a joke not, not a matter of agree it, that was that that's been my point since since you asked that question but i think the old the forgive me for interrupting but i think a lot of the times it's older people who are doing that in my case i said to you no offense but usually i find when i'm I'm saying something. It's the old, older person who initiates the joke about how old they are. Yeah, well, it's a preemptive strike. Right. That's pretty much what it is. It, it, it doesn't speak well for the society that the there is so little uh, respect for age. Now, by the way, there are many people my age who are who are fools. There are old fools and there are young fools, and there right. are, there is old wise and there's young wise. You're young wise, so it. it anyway, it's not it's, well. I it's not it's not true. It's not here or there. It is it is a bad sign that that people see. I don't mind when this is an an interesting topic. I don't mind if people want to look younger. Mm-hmm. I that makes sense to me. And it has always been that way. Where obviously it was not available to most people. It was no, it was only available to the very wealthy. But they would get their oils and and whatever they could do. I mean, you can you can overdo anything, but I would say that as people age, if they want to look younger, uh, I I find that commendable which is not a popular stance to, to hold today. I mean, I, I happen to support women in general. Some women have stunningly beautiful white hair. My mother was an example. But uh, for women to dye their hair, I don't think anybody should knock that. No, of course not. What, what I don't appreciate and and think is a bit odd is not when people try to look younger. It's when they try to act younger. That's right. Yeah, that is not dignified. That's correct. I uh, th- there. I'm with you. You know, you're so right that the mistreatment or the disregard for the elderly is a referendum on our society. This is actually going to make me seem like a left winger this statement but but i think it's true that you can judge a society based on how you how they treat the most vulnerable i i see that a lot with my sister who's has extreme autism and she was in government group homes for for years and the way that she was treated was truly nothing short of abusive um and I see it with elderly all the time. I was in the grocery store about a year ago, and there was an elderly woman who was carrying a bunch of bags, and she was she didn't look like she was terrifically struggling, but, you know, it looked like it was an effort to carry them. She was kind of hobbling along. And there was this guy, this thir- maybe 35-year-old guy with earphones on, and he was in, you know, workout clothes, and he just 
went around her like she was a cone on the sidewalk that was an impediment in his path. There was no gentlemanliness, you know, sense of chivalry, masculine chivalry, or, man, or, may I help you? Well, or of humanity. I'm not even of, sure right. it's a male figure. If it was an old man, it would be the exact same issue. Absolutely true. Though the reason why I said masculinity is because men are, I think, supposed, supposed to be They're supposed to take care of the vulnerable. Yes, I, yes. I, yes. And just walked around her. And then I went up to her and I said, ma'am, do you need help? And she was so grateful. Hmm. And I just thought, and, and, you know, look at the way that we treat the homeless. For all that the left talks about, oh, the vulnerable and minorities, we have to help people. They don't give a damn that homeless people are are a dime a dozen rotting on the sidewalk in downtown Los Angeles. And and you know what makes that even more offensive? On the one hand, the left insists on a certain amount of sensitivity with words. We have to call the homeless unhoused. But then they don't. But then who cares if they're living in squalor and they have needles all around them and they don't have a house? Who cares? As long as we call them unhoused. I'm looking up a story irrelevant to... uh I actually wrote it into my phone, and but I'm not finding it now. It's a bummer. But so I'll have to I'll have to ruin it. But it's worth telling unless I already told it. it to you. Was it? Did I tell you the story about the guy who, uh, oh, who offered a woman to help her take down her bags from the the rack on, on the airplane you know the oh and she said you're yeah you told me like uh, did i tell it to you on, on, yes. on dennis and julie yes the guy was called patriarchal or something well so this woman it's an older woman but a vibrant older woman told me the story at one of my speeches that a guy who's you know younger than her and much taller than her and and said would you be offended if I if I offered to take down your your bag for you, <laughs> she said, "Why would I be offended?" He said, "Because the last woman I asked oh, yeah. was offended." <laughs> you know, people I, isn't that pathetic? Of course it is. It, people ask. I, I I was in Oklahoma recently giving a speech, which was so fun. It was very interesting to be in Oklahoma City. I've never been, but. A question that I get often in speeches is, how do we change the course of society, especially this this uh, woke rot that is really uh, especially prevalent among young people? And sometimes I, I don't I don't always know how to answer that question because it's basically like, how do we save society as a whole? And it's like, well, that would take an act of Hercules to to do. But an answer that I have come up with and I really, really believe it is that when you see now, first of all, when you see things that are wrong, you have an obligation to speak up. But but we talk a lot about that, but we don't talk about the inverse. When you see things that are right, you have an obligation to speak up too and reward that person for whatever they're doing that you see as a benefit to society. So I was on a plane yesterday, flying or a few days ago, excuse me, flying back from Oklahoma City. And there was a guy in front of me and I couldn't open my water bottle. And so I tapped him on the shoulder because these big muscles sir can you open it of course he did it immediately and i said thank you sir and very loudly on the plane i said that's why we need men oh god julie what that's great i do i like doing stuff uh, like that uh, like i love you for it i did well, anybody react some people turned and looked but I, it was yeah, a pretty, i'm telling you 
people would be afraid to react. I know. So many people thought, wow. Oh, that, but but it makes an impression, and it and it makes other. Did he people, say anything? He smiled. He smiled. But I think when you do that, it makes your viewpoint less stigmatized, and people will. It'll be encouraging to people because they'll go, "Oh, that girl on the plane said that. That must be a more common belief than the mainstream media and social media would make me think that exists." I mean, oh gosh, I I did another thing. We were I was walking through the. Uh, this is maybe where I'm a character. I was walking through the Oklahoma City airport and I was talking with this person who uh, was next to me. We were chatting, made a friend. And um, I don't even know if I should say this, but whatever. I'm already here. A group of Muslim women walked by in hijabs in the airport. And I turned to the guy next to me and I said, well, red state Oklahoma is so racist and xenophobic. Look at all these Muslim women. And I said it out loud, like audibly so that people could hear me. And I like kind of saying irreverent. I don't even mean it to be irreverent. No, but no. Things like your that point that just, is well taken. You know, I, and again, destigmatize I love you it. it. And I'll give a final example. There was a waitress recently and I was out to dinner with a friend who has a lot of dietary restrictions and modifications. And usually waitresses roll her eyes at my at their eyes at my friend. And this waitress was very professional was going out of her way to to help give my friend what she wanted. And I said to her, you are a true professional. Good for Thank you so much for, you know, going out of your way. And I could see how much it meant to the waitress. When you see merit, when you see professionalism, when you see a masculine men doing something masculine, reward them audibly, loudly, proudly. That's how I think we, in a small way, turn the tide. Do you know why I know why? I want... This is how well I think I know you. Do you know why you made that comment out loud? Oh, red state Oklahoma, big uh, bigots against multicultural uh, people and so on. And look at all the women in the hijabs. You know why you said it and out loud? I know why, because we have a similar uh, characteristic in this way. You said to me, something a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago uh, to the effect that everything is about truth. I have said on the air, and I I know this sounds self-aggrandizing, and I don't care. If people think that's why I'm saying it, there's nothing I can do about it. It has nothing to do with self-aggrandizing. It has to do with the point I'm making. I have said on a number of occasions, and it sounds goofy even, it's weird, I, I have said on the air, I have an erotic attraction to truth. And that is my way of saying how deep my, my love of it is. And you have that. And so you saw something and you knew a lie was being told. Mm-hmm. The lie is this most conservative state, arguably the most conservative state in the union, Oklahoma, and no one is, is giving anybody a hard time. No one wearing, even looking. Nobody's looking. It's a non-issue. That's exactly right. And there were, I mean, and I was so, well, first of all, I want to respond to your point. Yes, that's that's a very good analysis. And that's exactly. I thought you'd appreciate it. I do appreciate it. I know you were combating a lie. 
Yes. That's the reason you said that. Yes. And I also, I, I love the way you phrased it, an erotic uh, att- attraction to the truth. I think I said this on Dennis and Julian. Perhaps this is the truth comment that you're referring to. The truth is good. That's right. That's I love the, the truth because yes. it's because if you get down to the truth, that's why I'm unafraid of it. That's why I love it, because I think the, the more I figure things out, like like, for instance, you know, when we talk about why black people are more incarcerated than than white people are incarcerated at higher rates than white people, I really want to figure out why that is. And I'm not afraid of it. Part of why I think the left immediately paints everything as white supremacy is because I actually think deep down they're a little bit afraid of the truth. I think they, there's a part of them that thinks that black people are more inclined if to commit crime than white people. If you're not afraid of the truth, you can't be a leftist. Yes. Leftism is based on denying the truth because it's uncomfortable. So if you say, it, it's, it, it's classic. Uh, I could give example after example. If If I say, which I do, and not many say this, including conservatives, a, a wildly disproportionate number of those who are robbing stores en masse now, these mm-hmm. gang, uh, gang robberies, are black. And way, way beyond their percentage of the population. What is the left's reaction? The left does not ask, is what Prager said true? It is of no interest to them if it's true. It's Prager is a racist. Yes. Does it sound bad? Yes. Well, I agree with you. What I'm saying is a little different, and I really want to, I'm interested to know if you agree or disagree. I think that they, there's a part of them that thinks that black people are more inherently likely or more inherently have a proclivity to commit crime than white people. I don't believe that. I know you don't believe that. But I think there's this, there's this weird you know, when they call the, I think us the racist, the left has disdain for black. Yes, there's when, no doubt in my mind. When they call us, when you say let's lower, uh, l- l- when you say as the Oregon Education Department, I know I'm interrupting. Forgive me. When the Oregon Education, but only because I want to no, illustrate of course, your go point. On, go on. The Oregon Education Department has announced that the idea that there is one correct answer in math is white supremacist. So what are they saying? Only whites believe that there is a right answer in math. Blacks do not. Tell me that is not utter contempt for there blacks. There must be something special about whites yes. for them to be able to. And, and something right. inferior about exactly. blacks. Exactly. That's what I, I think. There's this weird, actually kind of latent racism among not all, but, but many leftists. And I think that's why they project so much onto us that we're somehow the racists. I'm not afraid at looking at a problem that's uncomfortable because I know if I really study it and study it in an objective way, I will get to the truth and the truth is good. I know the truth is not a eugenicist truth. I know that, that, that black people don't have... They don't have a more, you know, inherent genetic, whatever, intrinsic likelihood to commit crime. I know it has to do with culture. I know it has to do with the the left and the Democratic Party's manipulation of black people. I know it you know, has to do with fatherlessness, with out of wedlock births. I'm not afraid of that truth because I know that truth is good. And I know that truth, as I said, doesn't doesn't pit or, or um, make some races more um inferior or superior to others if you go to the truth about men and women men and women are equal i'm not afraid of you know acknowledging for instance that men might be better at some things than women 
I think the left is afraid to acknowledge that because I think they fear or there's a part of them that thinks that that's true. I know. Or sorry. Let me back up. There's a part of them that thinks men are superior. Yes. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, Just like a part of them that thinks that whites are superior. Your point is entirely well taken. Yes. There's a part of them that thinks that men are superior to women. So that's why they're so afraid to even say that men are better at some things. I know that's not true because I love the truth. The truth is created by God. God is good. The truth is good. Beautiful. Well, I don't know how beautiful that was. I kind of stumbled through that, but <laughs> you get the that's point. That's Julie working on Julie. That's it's a classic moment. It was beautiful. The ability to acknowledge this, uh, I'll give an example to prove my point that when I point out a, dis, a, a, a wildly disproportionate, not just disproportionate, number of those committing these crimes today of... of invading stores on mass are black or, or a wildly disproportionate percentage is black correcting my grammar uh, is in my bible commentary which uh yeah i th- is it, i don't know if it's in deuteronomy or numbers which is yet to come out but there's a footnote a very long footnote about the whole issue of the taking pride in your in your own group, raised by, of course, a verse in the Bible. I don't. I always do it based on something in the Bible, and I note that a disproportionate number of those who gave Stalin the secrets to the atom bomb were Jews. Am I anti-Semitic? So the question is only: Is it true? I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about the, the issue with, with blacks and invading stores. But you can't solve a problem. You can't do any good. Mm-hmm. Back to your good and truth. You can't do good based on lies. Yes. So my question is like yours. What, well, why? Since blacks are not born with this proclivity, Jews are not born with the proclivity to give tyrants secrets to atom bombs. Mm-hmm. Why did it happen? Right. I have answers. I mean, my, my basic answer on the Jewish one is when Jews leave Judaism, they, they often adopt very weird ideologies. But that's true for non-Jews, too. Right. Yes. And again... Both of us are unafraid of the truth because we know when we get down to it, it may be uncomfortable, but right. it's not evil. It's not It's not that Jews are, yes. you know, naturally more slimy. So I want to talk about Julie for a moment, oh, your okay. favorite subject. I do have one other thing to joke. say about the truth. Okay, go. No, no, no. Say it. Forgive me really fast. I'm just avoiding the, the conversation about Julie, but... Um, I want to show people that I'm consistent, and I know that you're consistent, too, because one of the things I admire about you, and I'm going to quote you and telling you why I admire you, is that you are not beholden to a particular group, not Jews, not men, not conservatives. You you often say to me, my support, my listenership, even my friends in life, it's all a conglomeration of individuals as opposed to a group. And you, you criticize the religious uh, many times, specifically on the the doctrine that you have to police thought. 
you will criticize. I've, I've heard you criticize conservatives. God knows you've criticized Jews many times. Of course, uh, I'm not saying you're anti any of those groups. It's, it's actually course. the opposite. You right. know, you're yeah. you're so committed to the truth that you're not going to just sell yourself out for one group. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for Amfed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming that they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed have always had Dennis's back. Nick's been in the industry for over 42 years, and he's established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion. 1-800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. I, I know you're that way. I want to tell people, though, that when I was in Oklahoma, a large portion of my speech was actually criticizing or trying to shift conservatives in another direction. I spoke about because the the point of the talk that I was in was how to reach young people. And I said to conservatives in the audience, I said, I know a lot of you are, are definitely Republican. Many of you are probably Christian. And I have profound respect for Christianity and, of course, for conservatism. But if you talk to young people and try to proselytize them, and if you say things to them like Christ is going to save your soul or Satan is going to punish you if you have an abortion, abortion is sin, you are not going to reach them. It is shoving too much down their throat. You have to take a different tack. And it's and so anyway, I just want to show people that that my love for the truth extends everywhere and i and i didn't and i felt comfortable criticizing or making an intervention in the tactics of the people to whom i was speaking because i knew that it was the truth and the truth is good and also and it's a credit to them i knew i was in a hospitable audience that also cares about the truth i was trying to picture what if there was a left-wing conference and then there was a left-wing breakout group about how to reach young people and someone said, you know, this trans ideology is getting too extreme and when you say things like this, it's not reaching pe-. That would never be allowed in that group. It's an excellent point. You're really on a roll today. Oh, am I? See, I think yeah. I'm on a, I think no, I've I'm been gonna terrible. No, I'm going to take out my coffee and, and just, uh, <laughs> have a cup while you speak. I think I've been terrible, but I'm glad you think You I'm, do? Yeah, I do. I think I've been terribly inarticulate. One minute, folks. I'm returning to Earth. It's taking a while. Okay, I'm back on Earth. You know what Dennis's equivalent of this is, though? What? You don't know when you are, when people are starstruck by you. I don't know if people are impressed by me or, or if they're thinking what I say is articulate or if they think that I'm physically attract i have blinders in those ways you have a huge blinder with people who are sucking up to you or who are starstruck by you he has no idea well the the second is a good thing the first is not a good thing people sucking up to me that would that seemed derogatory um yeah, well it is it, it is, is it is derogatory yeah. uh, i mean look i've witnessed people sucking up to you but I, but a lot what i meant by that was 
when people are trying to impress you or they're trying to yeah, that's not get the same. in your, yeah. it's not uh, the same. Okay, I, right. I should, I should, but yeah, however, I, I have that, witnessed both. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. You're right. I don't have, uh, I don't have any sense of that at all. I, uh, this is not a, a brag. It's just the fact of life. I don't walk through life thinking I'm Dennis Prager. It, it doesn't occur to me till people tell me I am when they stop me for a selfie. And I remember, oh, yeah, I'm a public figure. I forgot. <laughs> I know it's funny. It is funny. Uh, and it, it, it's th- that, by the way, I'm thrilled about that because I, I love being a regular guy. I, I like walking through the airport like everybody else does. Uh, I, I, I intellectually understand I don't have a normal life. It's obvious mm-hmm. I, and, and so on. Anyway, it's uh, interesting because I wanted, it's funny because to a certain extent, that's what I wanted to say when I wanted to say, when I said I wanted to talk about Julie. Mm-hmm. So I want to put this in perspective. Julie was just, in Oklahoma, they brought you to speak at a women's uh, conservative conference, women from all over the country. Mm-hmm. I read about it in the Oklahoma newspaper, which is credit to you. You didn't even know it was written. I, I knew the article was there. I and had you no didn't. idea. Yeah. Okay. He called me and said, great article. And I said, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? Well, you, you, I didn't uh, say what the hell. I said, yeah, no, no, I don't have no problem with what the hell. But you actually said where or something <laughs> to that effect. Anyway. So, it's true. You're 23. Are you about to be 24? When? Guess what? I share a birthday with a prominent figure who has who changed the country. He's dead, and it happened in Minneapolis, and it changed everything. Like three years ago, who is that person? Oh my God! Really? Yeah, George Floyd. Yeah, I, George Floyd. I said, and I have oh a birthday. my God! Okay, that's beautiful. Anyway, October fourteenth, right. and Charlie Kirk. You, Charlie Kirk, and George Floyd, <laughs> and Dwight Eisenhower, and Dwight Eisenhower, and Usher, and who? <laughs> who? Usher. <laughs> I'm looking at Sean. Who and who? Usher. Yes. Usher. Okay, I get it. All right, to tell like right. like an usher at the, I don't know theater. No, no. So who are you really referring to? The singer. The singer usher. Usher. Okay, I think it's beautiful. Okay. So you're 23. Hey, so, hey, so. All right, here we go. Yeah, yeah. He's putting on oh, yes. usher. I can't believe I missed this. How did I miss this? All right, it's time to uh, put on Bruckner Seventh. Oh. <laughs> did I make you choke? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. Right. We can keep that so, in. So, attempt number four. You're 23. Yes. And you were invited to speak in Oklahoma. Yep. So, on a scale of one to ten, how exciting is that? Oh, it's a, it's a nine or a ten. Correct. Yeah. Right. So... Mostly because I met Riley Gaines. We'll talk about that in a moment because I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, I'm, I'm only hesitating because I know that we've made reference to this much more in the, the beginning, but I'll, I'll, I'll live with the consequences. 
that I, our lives are so intertwined, obviously, but also they have followed such a, uh, a similar pattern. So I was 21 when I began lecturing. You're 23 or 22. You, you lect, well, you lectured at the graduation, so you're 21, uh, which is very uncommon, uh, obviously. Uh, it's, it's, it's very rare to sp- start public speaking, let alone be brought across the country. And I, I remember it was a high, not an ego high, just a high. This, I am so lucky to have such a life and so early people, and in my case, I was living in New York, people in Tennessee, that was the first really far away from the Northeast place I spoke. Mm -hmm. People in Tennessee are bringing me to speak. It was exhilarating. And I have to believe because you're you're healthy and normal that it, it was exhilarating for you it was but i'll also be very honest that sometimes i wish i were more proud of myself or um uh-huh could, than i am could relish it more yes and and this is not I this is so big this subject go ahead i almost hesitate to say it because i don't want to sound ungrateful or unappreciative or not aware of of how lucky intellectually i am intellectually aware it's actually and again i'm aware of how this may come across as as oh i'm, I'm just such a good person but it's actually that i appreciate it so much and i feel so lucky and i feel so grateful that i that i that i feel guilty where I, I almost don't. It's because you, you, you it's don't not, deserve it. it. No, it's not that I don't think that I deserve. I know I've worked really hard, and I know that I've proven myself, and that I have good things to say. It's that I don't deserve to have had the good fortune that put me in the position to prove myself. I'll give you something that that really hit me. I, I know I told you this, Dennis, and you said typical Julie. But after I spoke in Oklahoma, I got on a scooter. Which, by the way, they have them all over Oklahoma City. They have them in LA too, I guess. But it's very, it's a very nifty way of getting around. I went on a scooter and I scootered over to the Oklahoma City bombing memorial, which anyone who's in Oklahoma City should go to. It is so moving. The Oklahoma City bombing happened in 1995. It was the largest terrorist attack in the United States at the time. Now it's the largest homegrown terrorist attack because 9/11 happened six years later. But I was reading about it. 168 people were killed, 19 of them children, because there was a daycare center I remember well. in the federal building where the bomb was detonated. And it was this weird, like, I mean, obviously I went there because I love history, but it was also this almost weird, like, voyage that I was going on to remind myself that I'm so lucky. And I just, I just was standing there going like, how did they, you know why did these 19 children get blown up when they were 2 years old and had no opportunity at a life and then i've had this wonderful life and and opportunities are coming up for me all the time and it was i i sometimes feel this tension where i i feel guilty for my luck and then i feel guilty that i feel guilty for my luck because i'm not appreciating my luck and if only people who didn't have the luck were alive, they would want me to appreciate my luck, and it's this like weird cycle. I want to talk about that. Well, you recently wrote about luck versus God, which I think is very apropos right, but of it, this. But, it, but that's it, 
yes, it's tangentially but not directly related. I wanted to, I wanted to deal with your reaction. That it's, it fascinates me, and I think that there are two elements, three elements, in no order of significance, but three elements. You're female. <laughs> That's a big one. So true. I don't I don't, I, I don't know how big, but I, I, oh, I I'm sure it it's one of the three. Uh, it's your nature, which we'll get to. And you come, though not from at all a religious world, from a Christian background. You have a grandfather who's a pastor, after all. And I'll explain all three in, 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 briefly. We can, we can expound on it, because I think it's a very big deal and a very big subject. It's I, relevant to everyone. Relevant to everyone. Not that just, is the, not no, just the, Julie other, therapy rel, session. No, if it weren't rel, it's not a therapy session, A. B, it's relevant to everyone or I wouldn't raise it. Right. Uh, it, it just making it clear. Yeah. I, I'm well aware of that. So I, my own reaction, and I'm very self-aware, from the outset was I, I'm incredibly fortunate. Incredibly uh, to to this day, or lucky, I'm totally okay with the word lucky. To this day, I, I, I believe it just as much as I believed it then. But I did not feel that, I did not feel any guilt over it. I felt only obligation and gratitude, which I think is a healthier reaction, because you you should only feel guilt over what you did wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. What would be wrong is to have your gifts and not use it for good. So I, I want, I, I'm, in that sense, it is a therapy session in, in, the, in an odd sense of the word. And I don't even have to pay. You're right. But I want you to know that. I mean, the it, to the extent that reason can overcome the psyche, and I'm not sure it can, you must know that the healthy reaction is gratitude and obligation, n- not guilt. Oh, I feel those. Yeah, oh, I know you do. But there's a but lot of guilt. But you don't only it. feel that. Right. Yeah, no. So, uh, the, so, the, so I said your nature, you're being female, and you're growing up uh, in, in, a, in, in a non-religious but Christian culturally, psychologically environment where so, – well, I'll explain the la- the latter in this way. I know I haven't said this. Uh, I, if I have, tell me. You, you remember. But I don't think I ever said this on Dennis and Julie. So Jews complain more than Christians as a general rule. It's, it's, it's biblical. What did they do when they got out of Egypt? Uh, we don't like the food here. Send us back to Egypt. The, the food was better. And it's literally what they said. It, it's So anyway... Uh, they com- so Jews complain a lot, and Christians complain less. Not not Gentiles. Gentiles don't complain less. Christians complain less. It's an important distinction. So I I tell in speeches, including at, in front of Christian groups, said if you don't believe me, let's try the following test. Let's have a group from a Catholic church, a group from. A, an evangelical or any Protestant church, and a group from a synagogue. They're meeting for an ecumenical lunch. Okay? And we arrange, or I arrange with 
the kitchen of the hotel to serve overripe uh, cantaloupe as the appetizer. Which group will complain the most? And the audience always laughs because everybody knows it's the Jews. So that that is interesting, but not significant. What's significant is why. Okay. So that's that's my life, the why question. So I have a theory. Christians, okay, I'll, I'll put it in my punchline way. To for Christians to suffer is Christ-like. Ah. For Jews to suffer stinks. That's so true. I think sometimes Christians self-flagellate and suffer for the sake of suffering. There, there is because yes, there to is be more Christ-like. That's right. There is a veneration of suffering. The, the hair shirt uh, in, in, mid, in, in medieval Catholic life, for example. You know, something I do, which is very culturally Christian, and I'm so interested because I know we have a lot of Christians who listen to, to hear if they have this too. Not this exact example, but just the general feeling of needing to suffer to achieve something or to exonerate yourself of something. Or I constantly tell my parents, don't die. Like constantly when, it, when, whenever we are on the phone and before I hang up, I go, love you. Don't die before I leave. When I leave the house, love you. Don't die. Sometimes I'll just text them out of nowhere. Don't die. When I was at the Oklahoma city bombing memorial, I called them and I said, I love you so much. Don't die. It's like, it's constant. And I understand it's a little bit odd. It's gotten better over the years, but I do do it a lot. And one time I really tried to consider why do I do this? Because it's weird. And you know, it doesn't prevent the fact that if, God forbid, they walk outside and get hit by a bus, it's not going to, my saying don't die isn't going to make the bus swerve and miss them. But I actually think it's that I sort of have this Christian sense, like, the more that I worry, it's almost like putting money in the bank account, like insurance. And I think Christians have this, like, the more you pray, the more maybe the higher outcome that that something good that you're praying for will happen, the more that you suffer, the more that you become like Christ. And I think I have this like the 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 worrying is in my mind, even though intellectually I know it's not preventing the bus. I think in my mind, I think the more that I add up the don't dies, it will cosmically help my parents avoid that fate. Does that make any sense? Well, it's not rational. Of course it's not. Yeah. No, it's definitely not so, rational. So to but the does extent it, from that a Christian... The, yes, well... I, suffer, I, penance... It, it's, it's like, it's like a, the first cousin of suffering and penance and re- confession. And it's like, let it all come out and obsess about things to almost be exonerated of them. Say don't die. Worry about your parents so that they won't die. Okay. I hear you. You hear me. It's not registering. It doesn't register. That's I know true. it doesn't it, it, register yes. rationally, but does it register as someone who observes Christians and Christian I behavior see. Well, and pathology? Uh, it's interesting that you think it's related to the oh, suffering is. is is holy. Yes. Yeah. Well, how is it related to suffering is holy exactly? I'm missing that connection. I think there's this idea that the more that you suffer, the more that you're like Christ. Which is That's that, correct. That's what I said. It's right. Christ-like. So what does that have to do with don't die? I think it's that 
the more that you obsess about something, the more that you orient yourself in... I mean, have pain over it. Yes. The more that you have pain so and worry about... So your pain this, yes. may help forestall yes. their death. Yes, I think it's. I think it's just generally this Christian mantra: the more pain, something good will ennobling happen. comes out of it. I see. Okay, I, I can't comment on that. That that is truly your interior life emanating from a Christian background. Yes. Well, well, in, also in Christian, you know, people will say, "Pray, pray," you know, "pray for this person," and there's this element of the more that you pray the more likelihood that they will get yeah, better. Yeah, that's fine. Or they, Jew, Jews have, have right. many Jews believe that too, but that, that's, not, that's not the suffering element. By the way, the suffering, it, it really, it, it's a cute line, you know, that, that I offer for Christians, pain is Christ-like, for Jews it stinks. Uh, but it is actually very serious. Yeah. It is one of the reasons Jews disproportionately as as long as we have recorded history, became doctors. The greatest Jewish philosopher who ever lived, Maimonides, was a medical doctor. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the hell he knew in the, the 11th century or 12th right. century, but he, he was, in fact, he was the doctor to the Muslim, I think, sultan it was, uh, in, in, I believe, Egypt. Hmm. <laughs> So this this Muslim is not a fan of Jews, but he wanted a Jewish doctor. <laughs> not, not much has changed. But so back to your issue of how you translate this spectacular life you're living, and that it's it's your ability to get pure joy out of it is compromised. Yes, I don't want people to think that I walk around with a cloud over my head. No, no, you don't. No, I don't you know, think people... people not, are there, No, people are not dense. Well, our listeners are not dense. <laughs> less, yeah. Many people are. But, no, I, I, I think a lot of... First of all, I think a lot of people relate to you precisely for those three reasons... The Christian background, female, the female. Huge. See, so the female. I didn't explain the female part. Why I think that. So, I've thought this all this stuff through. I may be wrong, but I have thought it all through. So, uh, or much of it through, not all, but uh, bo- boys compliment themselves on a ratio of a thousand to one more than girls compliment themselves. So it shows it's not societal because it starts so early. Boys, and I, I probably have said this to you, but I don't think, again, on Dennis and Julie. So when a kid, when a boy hits a, 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 is in a baseball game and he, he hits a double, triple, or home run, he will say to the other guys, did you see that hit? Did you see that? And no guy thinks that's bizarre that he is making reference to how great he thinks his hit was. Girls would never. Never. It is inconceivable. If a girl did that, I would be sure sure she was a trans. <laughs> she was a trans. <laughs> yes. That, that, that deep down, she was still on a male brain. But that girls don't do <laughs> that's that. That's so funny. And if a girl did do that, the other girls would resent her. You say it's not societal. Oh, why God or nature made men the way they did, and and, and well, for, men are outer accomplishment oriented. 
Did you see the 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 tiger I just killed? I that it, I I really do. I believe it, it in effect comes from that. The, what what are women going to say on any daily basis? Did you see how well clothed the kids were today? I mean, most women until modern life did take care of the home, right? So, uh, it, it, given men's task conquering the world, <coughs> it probably was a good thing for men to be proud of their outer achievements. And women would want a man who who was like that. Yeah, we're attracted to, to those yes, types of men. Yes. Also, women are more ruled by emotion. And emotion can be bad at times and emotion can be good at times like you know women are very empathetic i think that sometimes at least in my case my empathy goes too far right that's right that's that's very interesting i think and again i hate saying this because it sounds like i'm just so empathetic but i honestly think i am okay we're not taking it that way i understand why you would worry if people want to take it that way, there are a thousand other podcasts they can That's enjoy. Right. No, like a million, a million. Right. Well, pro- part of the issue in society now is what Teresa Mull, who's this great author who I interviewed on my show, calls toxic empathy, where women, especially in this whole trans thing, go, oh my gosh, you know, we have to we have to be so empathetic to people who are having gender dysphoria that toxic. we have to yes. bring them into bathrooms. So and there bring are them no, into- right. So you end up over-empathizing and thereby under-empathizing. Exactly. Now, now the girls, like Riley Gaines, stuck with this guy showing off his genitalia in the women's locker room at the University of Pennsylvania uh, or wherever their meet was. Right. Uh, she gets... Those women get no empathy. Well, exactly. The trans one, the man who says he's a woman, gets all their empathy. There is a point at which mercy becomes unmerciful, compassion yes. becomes cruelty, empathy becomes unempathetic, it becomes the exact opposite of the virtue that you're trying to achieve. So good. So now we've come to the third. So we've dealt with the, the Christian background, you're being a female, and the third is it's your nature. And that's that is individual. That is not universal. It's not your. It's not human nature. That's universal. Julie's nature is is to is well. Look the proof. Where did you go on your one day in Oklahoma City? Like my one hour. Your one hour that was free. You you rent a scooter and go to the memorial to to people who were blown up before you were born. I, most people don't do that, Julie. That's Julie. That That's not human nature. That's Julie's nature. Other people have that too, but you have that. Look, it's it, again, the, the, the similarities is part of this remarkable thing we have together. I remember thinking, how am I going to find a wife? I want to talk about evil, good and evil on a date. They're not aching to talk about Pol Pot or Mao or I Hitler. I know. Trust me. I <laughs> and, know. And, I'm, and I'm thinking about this all the time. I know. It, 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 so it, it, those are the three reasons. It's a very, it's a very powerful thing. So I, all I could say to you is to, to the extent possible, and I don't know what extent it's possible. I don't know. 
it, it is no sin for you to thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy the life you're having. Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop at the pillow. He also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for our overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's latest deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll get 50% off of the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square and use the promo code HARTMAN. There you'll find not only this great offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-566-6745 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code HARTMAN. Well, thank you. And I I agree. And it's something I'm, I'm working on. I do enjoy it very much, but I'm working on the 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 times where, you know, I go but into But I the, said it's no sin. I chose my words I know, carefully. I know you did, um, which is ironic because I was telling the group that don't use the word sin with, you know, I was sort of criticizing some religious commentary or. Well, but this is the opposite. This is They're the saying opposite. X is sin. I'm right. saying X is not a sin. I know, but I'm saying I need to re- reevaluate my yeah, own self That's self-talk. right. Yes. So may I, may I tell you two funny things that happened or not one of them is funny. One of them isn't that happened this weekend in Oklahoma. Do I have permission to steer the conversation well, we'll in that direction. We'll take a vote. I say yes. It's up to Sean now. It's it's it's. Uh, what do you say, Sean? Thumbs down. Okay, let's talk about Pol Pot. Zach said thumbs down. <laughs> yes, let's talk. That's I'm actually doing. I want to do a show on Pol Pot. You soon. please do. Um, first, I met Riley Gaines, who's so sweet. I have yet. I always say this, but I just want to make it so clear. I have been so lucky to meet many, many prominent conservative public figures. I have not met one mean, bigoted, racist, homophobic, sexist, patriarchal, anything. Everyone is so nice. I I, I actually feel bad because I said her name in the lobby and then people ran over to her, descended on her like, I don't know, bees descending on honey. Um, She was so nice. I talked to her about how I'm a swimmer. She agreed to come on Timeless. Um... And I said to her that I work with you and that you said the Leah Thomas Institute on the air. (laughs) She said it was one of the funniest moments of her year. She said, I love Dennis. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Dennis was interviewing, um, now I almost just said Leah Thomas, Riley Gaines on uh, uh, his show. And Riley Gaines has started the Riley Gaines Institute. And Dennis Prager said, everyone, please go check out the Leah Thomas Institute. So I just thought you'd find that to be funny, that Riley remembered it, well, that. It, 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 oh, I have no doubt she would remember it. it, it and she it, said, I say it sometimes. I tell uh, that joke oh, sometimes. Oh, I, I, I can only imagine that she would. Uh, so it's very beautiful that she remembers me for one of my corkers. But it, 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 it cracks me up. I don't have any issue with it. Uh, but I want to just explain to people who we're talking about. So Riley Gaines is, oh, yeah. is literally a national champion swimmer. Yes, and she actually likes swimming. Is that true? Did you ask yes. her? Yes. She said, I enjoy it. Did well. you tell her you didn't? Yes. What did she, she said, think? I got it. She said, I got it. It's been, at times, it's brutal. Okay. So 
Uh, she uh, has been leading the campaign to keep women's sports for women. It's as simple as that. She's gutsy. She is the object of a lot of hate. And, of course, she's the object of a tremendous amount of admiration, including the two people speaking here. And I had her on my show uh, recently. And uh, the, the, the man who said he was a woman was named Leah Thomas. Came, he took <laughs> L-I-A from his name, William. His, her name, uh, whatever. His. Crown, crown okay, his. Fine. Okay. Okay. Yes. And, and appeared in the locker room with his genitalia exposed. Oh. Which what a great guy. No, what a well, schmuck. Well, no, no, no. It's, he is a schmuck. But it proves that he's not a woman. Women don't do that. Women don't display yes, their genitalia. We, hide, we run and hide. We yes. run and hide. Also, it shows that that he, his his motivation is to shock and to make people uncomfortable and right. to get in in their face. Right. There's no other reason why you would do that. Um, oh God, I was going to say something. Well, you you had met her, so you were talking about meeting her. No, was that not the? Yes, uh, not the, I can't remember what it was. Well, it's okay. I, I oh well, what you just it. said about calling her gutsy. By the way, totally true, and she deserves every ounce of credit for all that she has done for women. However, I do find it to be interesting that Riley Gaines and all of us, even someone like me, gets called courageous. Like if if Riley Gaines coming out and saying women's sports should be reserved for women, her saying that the fact that, that, it that takes is called courage. Yes, yes, the fact that that it is does called take Betsy, courage, but it does, that's a it reflection does. on our society totally. as much as it is on her. And that is not a knock in the slightest to Riley Gaines, as no, it's not a knock on course, me. It's yes. just uh, sometimes well, I don't no, understand. Look, in, in Germany, I mean, it's not the exact same thing, obviously, but in Germany, it took courage to say, actually, Jews are human. Right. And you would think. That takes courage. Well, that's well, a good the, point. The circumstance determines courage. That's very true. That's a very, very good point. Just as in Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge regime, it took courage to say, no, you shouldn't execute people for yeah, disagreeing. No, no, that, that, right. Ironically, the courage is demanded for for what should be obvious. Mm, that's the irony. Well it's because the bad guys distort truth back to truth well there's there's a difference though with the aforementioned examples and then the the riley Gaines and the not to say i'm like i'm on the same par as riley Gaines and as far as far as public perception but people like us who who speak up you know look yeah is it true that that the justice department and increasingly our our people in power are weaponizing the institutions against conservatives yes is it true that there are big personal and professional consequences for saying right-wing things yes however riley and i live in a time and live in a place where it's pretty easy to say stuff that is controversial to be courageous that is not true of of the the jews in in europe or, or the you mean of the germans yeah. that's right thank you the germans right. and the um cambodians you know they would be executed on the spot we were not we wouldn't be executed on the spot as bad as things are getting here we wouldn't so i want to make that distinction anyway number two i heard tulsi gabbard speak also met her backstage such a nice woman she's one of my heroes i have to say i mean she's really she she I think she could have been president if she stuck with the Democratic Party. She, back in the time of Obama, was the Democratic Party's darling, especially, you know, in 08, 09. There are these photos of her and she's on every news network. And I think she's smart enough to know that if she stuck with the with the Democrats, she would have been like their AOC, their kind of great figure. But 
she has principles and she got up and gave this great speech to all these Republicans. And she said, I'm not a Republican, I'm, but I am not a Democrat. The party that I joined 20 years ago, I saw a party that was inclusive of all people, that was pro-civil rights, was pro-free speech. And that is not the Democratic Party today. But as she was speaking, I want to tell you this story, because, again, it shows that we're not afraid to criticize our own side. During her speech, there was a woman in the in the audience who yelled out, Tulsi Gabbard is not a Republican. And she wasn't near enough to me for me to respond. But I afterwards, when I gave my speech, I quoted that to a room full of Republican women. And I said, I was very disappointed to hear that woman shout that out about Tulsi Gabbard. You said that? I did. I said that was hugely disappointing. That is not who we are. We should not be the left and cancel people who are not exactly like us. That that is that is not what we should stand for. And I said, by the way, folks, I actually think Tulsi Gabbard is more useful to the United States and to the rancid cultural moment that we're in because she is criticizing the Democratic Party, not as a conservative, but as a liberal. I think RFK Jr. is more useful to the United States because he's criticizing this this moment as a liberal and not as a conservative. And I said in my speech, the 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 historical example that I give is what Martin Luther did in the 16th century. Martin Luther lived in the time where the medieval Catholic Church was just as powerful and corrupt as the modern day Democratic Party. And Martin Luther in 1517 raised his hand and said, as a Catholic, I am a Catholic. I despise what the Catholic Church has become, the the corruption, the abuse of power, the indulgences. This is not who we are. Now, of course, Martin Luther ended up being the father of Protestantism and Lutheranism, breaking off from the Catholic Church. But he didn't intend for that. He was so effective and powerful. And the reason we know his name is because he wasn't wagging the finger at the Catholic Church as an outsider. He was someone on the inside saying, no, 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 this is not who we are. So for the life of me, I can't understand why there are some conservatives say, oh, I would never vote for RFK Jr. because he's not a Republican. Tulsi Gabbard isn't a Republican. Who gives a damn? Who gives a damn? They are pro our values, not on everything, but on the important things. And if we're talking about efficacy and usefulness, they're better not on our on our side, actually. So I have never told this publicly. It shows I, I, I tell people stuff is brought out of me and I'm very open. Mm-hmm. I really am. Uh, on my show and in speeches, but I've never told this one out of deference to the individual, but I won't say who he is. I just say he's one of the most prominent Christians in America. We'll put it at that. We had been talking for quite some time on a plane, and we're talking, but mostly theology things. And then he looks at me and he says, you know, Dennis, I would love you to come to Christ. But the truth is, you're far more useful to us as a Jew. (laughs) Just exactly what you were saying there. And by the way, that is true, because I defend Christians so much. You do. It's That that because I'm a Jew, it gives it far more credibility. Uh, It's unfair. Defense should be a defense. It doesn't matter who makes it, Mm -hmm. but it, it, it is a fact. Yep. This is not exactly the same, but it's related. I hope this will come to fruition, but I have invited someone on my show, Timeless, who is anti-surrogacy, who who thinks surrogacy is evil and that 
it's exploitative of women and that it it, it disrupts the new the idea of a nuclear family and a woman uh, conceiving and bearing a child and for those who don't know i was born from a surrogate and i'm inviting her on my show does she know this yeah i wrote her an email and we've been she hasn't agreed yet she's trying to she's she's asked me some questions about you know what how long you know so so if she doesn't agree it's fine i'll find someone else but it's really important to me to have someone on my show who's anti-surrogacy a to hear their thoughts and b i want to show the left again this is not exactly related to what you were saying but it's it's that it's kind of in this general idea that people who are outsiders or people who are not exactly like you and may even be opposed to you can still be useful, interesting, important, valuable, worth listening to. It's really important to me to have someone on my show who's anti-surrogacy because I want to show the left I can have a discussion, a civil discussion with someone and even appreciate their viewpoints, even when it's someone who is against the the thing that brought me into this world. Because you know how the left goes like, oh my God, you know, they're anti the existence of women. They're anti the existence of trans people, which is such a crock of BS. Because what does that, like, what does that mean to be against the existence of someone? This, this person who I'd be inviting on my show is arguably closer to being anti the existence of someone like a surrogacy baby than what, we what, are. What is her argument? You know, I haven't listened truthfully to a lot of, of what she has said. I want to actually save it to hear on the show and have spontaneous reactions but she says that it's exploitative because just almost like giving an organ pay, you know the government now will pay you to to donate an organ in some states they say that it's coercive to that some women wouldn't otherwise do it and they're putting their body through this transformation to get money i'm just i, I don't know if i agree with that i'm just telling you the argument I, 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 I barely understand it. Everybody who is paid to do anything. I know. I mean, I agree. Are athletes not paid to utilize their bodies in awkward ways? You know what it is to, to be a major league pitcher? It's almost definite. You will have elbow problems the rest of your life. Mm. Well, in football, it could be far worse. Oh, it's a concussion. It's a, well, it, it, yeah. No, exactly. She also says that's why we pay people because they wouldn't otherwise do it. Right. She also says that it gets us further away from the ideal of a of a nuclear family yeah. where so we can she, kind of ask her if she's against adoption. No, yeah. ask her. I will. Well, if the issue is that you have to, one's mother in this case mm-hmm. has to be the physical source of that child's existence, right? then clearly adoption would be a, a, another example of, of of something that undermines, quote-unquote, the nuclear family. She also, I remember her saying in, in an interview that she believes that surrogacy can be weaponized against the biological parents. What does that mean? Where the surrogate mother can... At in, the last moment says, I yeah. want to keep the baby? Yeah. Yes, so it's a risk. That's correct. Yeah. So look, the the point is this: I want to show people that that I I, I want to invite someone who See, would. I, I agree with you. Your point is so you're a hundred percent right. But I, I don't view her as hostile to me. No, I view her, no, it it's it not does, even doesn't go yes, through my mind. I, I, everything about it is noble. You should have. I hope she comes on. Me too. Uh, uh, but unless there are arguments that I'm not aware of, 
it's an example of the best is the enemy of the better. Mm. So really what you're saying uh, is so it would be better, and I know I don't take this personally, uh, Ms. So-and-so, but it would have been better had I never been born. That's, that is, and believe me, I'm not saying this personally. I know you're not insulting me. I don't take it in any yep. way that way. Yep. Would, would, would the world be a better place if I were not born? Would my parents have had a better life if I were not born? Would God be happy if I were not born? I would ask those three things. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful questions. Yes. Those are powerful questions. The thing is, it doesn't even occur to me that this woman would offend me, even if even if she answered yes to that question. Yes, honest you, to God, you're right? It's not about you. I you understand that. It, it, I yes. wouldn't even get upset or hurt by yes, that. I right. really wouldn't. No. And so it raises the question when when other people like you see, it's it's like a it's honestly like a psychological event when you see these these people on college campuses screaming and convulsing like they are having an aneurysm at the presence of Charlie Kirk or you, you know, Charlie Kirk gets more of the like crazy screaming than you do. But it's like, what is I going on? I love, I'm going to use that aneurysm. I think that's great. Oh, they're like convulsing. They do. They, they, that's right. That is what they look I like. I mean, they, they need Did to go to Did you ever see everyone watching us or listening to us right now must go on YouTube and I guess if you put in Yale professors Halloween costumes protest, that that would work. <laughs> Yale professors, do you know the story? Uh, maybe. You, you, you will you will actually be happy we met. Oh. Finally. You know, I'm on the fence about Finally. It. Yeah. This will push you over. So... Two professors, a husband and a wife, who were heads of, I guess, I think Harvard has houses. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So Yale has houses. Residential so, colleges. Yeah. Okay. Is that the same thing as a house? Basically, yes. Okay. So the heads of one of the house was this two academics. Yes. Liberal. Liberal. Shocking. Right. Man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember their fields. Both professors at Yale. And the issue of Halloween costumes arose, and they, I think the the wife said at some point, oh, he was the head. I don't think both of them were. He was the head of the house, but uh, she is married to her. And so she said, it's no big deal if you if you wear a costume of, of, of another group. It doesn't mean anything. It's fine. And they went ballistic. <laughs> they, to the extent he he was fired as the head of that Yale house, because his he his wife had said something which is completely correct and innocuous. Yep. You should see. Why did I think of this? The aneurysm. You should see the students. Gathered around these two professors. Oh, I do know this Screaming story. and cursing at them. Yep. Yale students. It really raises the question, and this is our classic debate: Do the, does the left really believe what they say? Or 
I I really wonder when I'm looking at those people who truly like honestly and I know people probably think I'm saying this tongue tongue in cheek like they are they are convulsing to the point like they need an IV of of morphine like they are having an episode your aneurysm analogy was perfect is this are they truly like I'm really trying to get into the psychological state have they truly been so brainwashed or are they psychologically not okay in a way that they that their their human alarm is really going off at Charlie Kirk like they really feel like they are threatened and and all of that I mean even if you and and it's hard to bring up these examples in these discussions, but even if you look at the the footage of of Jews in concentration camps, they're not screaming and convulse in in the presence of a Nazi, which is like, oh my God, you know, many of them maintain their composure. So why is a leftist in the presence of Charlie Kirk like literally descending into a uh, flight or f- what is it? F- f- flight or f- flight? Yeah, f- flight or flight. Yeah, fight, fight or flight episode. Are they truly that alarmed, or is this a show? I think it's a show. I, I really do. I have moved to real deal. Really, some wh- it is. Wh- which, I think most of it is a show. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. I have a darker view. I, uh, we're coming near the end, so I'll tell you what has what began to push me on the road to they actually believe what they're saying and doing. Mm-hmm. It was a young, a, a, a woman in her 20s, a German woman who was gang raped in Germany by a group of uh, of immigrants from the Middle East. Oh, God. She told the police that it was German men who raped her. She did not want anti. She was the, the daughter of a, of an EU official. Wow! So she, it was known. Wow. So she said, when it came out that she had lied, why would you lie about who raped you? She, I didn't want to elicit ill will toward immigrants from the Middle East. Whoa! That's not a show. No, it's not. These. A lot of these people are true believers. When I was greeted by a chorus of FU, FU, using the word yeah. obviously, when yeah. I spoke for Moms for Liberty in Philadelphia a few months ago, they were, they were convinced I was evil. It was not a show. They were convinced I was evil. And mm-hmm. I even said to them, I told you, I walked over. Yeah. said, why do you hate me so much? I'm just curious. And and they, but that what they did was they came out with oh you support Nazis oh God. no no that was a common answer I know it is I just how did I uh, wait you as this a Jew, Jew who, who has fought anti-Semitism his whole life who, whose grandfather lost his brother to to Hitler and and, and, I, and I, I I support Nazis and it it had it. They must believe that. So it's so. Here's the question: What is scarier, people who believe their lies or people who are lying? I think people who believe their lies, because they're you, the people who lie and know they're lying. Mm-hmm. 
there's hope. Mm-hmm. People who who believe their lies, there's very little hope. I mean, people in Germany believe Jews were inferior. I mean, it's astonishing. It's an astonishing thing, given how the particular irony in Germany was because Jews were disproportionately successful in the arts, in culture, in in finance. <laughs> it's a pretty odd group to be. Right. Untermenschen, you know, un- under people, right, right. Sub- subhuman. The truth is, in the final analysis, it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Because e- e- either one does as much equal amount of damage. But the question is worthy so that we figure out what can we do. Because if you believe that, it's very tough. It's very tough. Because you're... You've staked your life on a lie. Mm. It's not like the kid who says, you know, he, 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 he broke that expensive vase in the house. Not I, but he knows he's lying. You would want your child who did that to know that they're lying. If they, if they convinced themselves they were telling the truth, that's, that's psychopathological. When... So when a when a leftist says men menstruate, we find it almost impossible to believe they believe it. You find it impossible. You I think do. it's a show. Mm. Uh, I think there are some true believers. I think when I see people like screaming and having that kind of reaction, I think that's a bit of a show. I think they feel obligated to seem more offended right. than so they are. I, I, that returns to one of your friend Dennis's favorite themes how you act affects how you think yes if you get hysterical enough you'll start believing in your hysteria boy is that true yes there was I'll end very fast but there was a girl who um, I'm not gonna I'm trying to conceal a lot of details over the years I uh did sports with and she said that she was bullied on one of the sports teams and she made up these absurdities about people holding scissors to her and and feeling like she was going to die and trust me it was just not true i i admit i wasn't there to watch the alleged incident but there's just it just there was there was no way it was true and she went on to leave the team and start her own like bull anti-bullying Organization. Remember last Dennis and Julie, I was talking about all these phony organizations that people do to get into college. And it got pretty big for her, this, this bullying, anti-bullying organization. And it was fascinating because all of us on the team would talk about her. And we all agreed that, that this never happened. And we would watch videos of her recounting the scissors incident. And we would go, she really believes that. This is, you know, three, four, five years out, and she's speaking to promote her charity. And you just look, and, like, she has repeated that story enough That's times to right. herself. You watch her, I'm and not, that she want, really I, thinks I, that I happened to her. I wouldn't be surprised if O.J. Simpson started to believe he didn't kill mm. his wife, his ex-wife or his wife. Yeah. On that happy note, by the way, this month, October, uh, it was is like the 10th or something, or not 10th, 20th. Um, anniversary of him being let off. It was October 3rd, 1994. Oh, so it's next year. Okay. Anyway, useless trivia. 
or is it 30 years? Holy moly. Is 1994 to now 30 years? Remind me years? to tell you what, I, what happened that day. Oh. I have a very oh, interesting story. Oh, that leaves me in suspense. Good. I may have to ask after we're off the air. You can reach me at julie at julie-hartman.com. I love hearing from you. I'm so sad that I can't respond individually to each of you. But if I don't, just forward it to me so that it's at the top of my inbox and I can see it. You can also follow me at Julie R. Hartman on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow Dennis at the Dennis Prager. Dennis and Julie is every Monday on this channel, 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern. And of course, you can download it on Apple and Spotify. Take care, everyone. See you soon. Shalom. Lots of channels. Nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.